Hello everyone, welcome back to the Watchful Nights Week in Review. My name is Ishiv, or at the Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. You know, guys know how this works. I'm going to go through the movies that I watched this past week, adding a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar, and today we will have a five movies to watch when. So let me know what you're liking, not liking, and I can improve the next episodes. So this week, in terms of shows that I've been watching, I really haven't watched more of Silicon Valley, but I watched more of Twin Peaks The Return. And boy, is this uh, this show is throwing everything at, on throwing everything at, on the table. You know, like it's very unhinged Lynch, um, and it's kind of a response to the 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 restrictions he faced when he was making the original show. So it's very different, and I'm not sure if I like it. Uh, no, I'm saying if I'm not sure if I like that difference. I think I like the show, but it is comp- it's a very very different thing than. What the original Twin Peaks was, but we'll see how that turns out. Okay, so on last Saturday, I started the week by watching Patan, the new Shao Kahn movie that came out this year that everyone is excited about. That is not that good. So Patan was directed by Siddharth Anand, um, starring Shao Kahn, Deepika Padukone, and John Abraham, and the plot is it's a very generic spy plot that this this Indian spy um, he he's called to take on the leader of this group of rogue agents from you know different countries is uh, secret agencies I wonder where they got that idea and they have evil plans uh, for India so that's that's really all you need to know and this movie received a 3.4 out of 10. So what I liked about this movie very there's two main things. So the first thing is that I think the music, albeit it's kind of weird when you first hear it, but it works for the movie really well. Um, it's very good. It kept the pace and made the action shots like the shots where people are supposed to look cool. They actually made them look feel cool because of the music. So that was really nice. And then some of the fight choreography was cool. You can tell they put a lot of effort into that and practiced it at, even if they clearly used doubles. Like there's six or seven shots where you can clearly tell it was not any of the three main actors. But, you know, that's that's fine. It's, it's something that they put attention toward, and that kind of made it decent. So what I didn't like... And... Um, I've been thinking back that maybe I was a bit too harsh on this movie, but then like the more and more I think about it, I'm like, no, this movie kind of sucks. And so what I didn't like about this movie is that it has the most bare bones story. You know where it's going from the moment it starts. There's like a little twisty, turny thing, like more of a turn than a twist that happens in the middle. And you could have seen that coming a mile away. And all of that would have been fine. Like I, I didn't go into this movie expecting a really great story. But the action is horrendous. It's so bad and nonsensical and just causes you to roll your eyes so much. And, you know, I was thinking back to what people would be like, oh, yeah, but RR is like that. I'm like, but that is the intent of RR. It is to astonish you and it, it is to put these crazy situations, right? And it's not like I didn't roll my eyes in RR. It's just this one. It's it, it feel like they, they think that they're being serious and they're like, this is the best action scene and it's realistic. And it's just not. There's a scene where John Abraham pulls two helicopters with rope 
and they make it seem like something someone could viably do that if he wasn't injected with you know whatever venom or something and that that just doesn't work for me and the other thing is that in the previous movies is that the story is actually decent right like in bang bang yes it's a direct copy of night and day but they have like a nice little twist at the end and there's something you have to pay attention to and then in war like the, the story develops and then we have you know different characters come in and then things turn who you don't know who's good who's bad and so the story is good there that you have something else to latch, latch on to and it would have been fine if this if this movie had the story that it did but the action is so bad like there's nothing else that you can latch on to and even the, the even the action like disregard bang bang because it's kind of on the, this level um but the action in war is is better because it's more understated there's like two scenes where you are not really on like vibing with it but then there's the motorcycle chase was great um, so I think this movie just tried to do a lot, and they thought they were doing a really good job. Like, you could clearly tell they were, like, think they were being so cool, and it wasn't. The other thing, this movie is written so terribly. Not only is it predictable and follows the the biggest tricks in the book, like, you know exactly where it's going, but the dialogue is so hard to listen to. The jokes are so bad, so childish. Um, yeah, it just kind of, it, it felt like it was pandering to five-year-olds, and and even that, that's pandering. Like, a lot of animated movies that are made directly for children have better jokes than this movie, so that wasn't good. The acting, it wasn't horrible, especially from Shah Rukh Khan, which I expected a lot worse. I think he did manage to hold his own, but he had a lot of trouble deciding between, like, this wise-cracking, goofy guy and then this, like, stoic, you know, hardcore killer. And he didn't really strike that balance um, very well. But it wasn't terrible. The, the acting was good when... The acting was really over the top when it shouldn't have been, and then very, very... Like, they just slept through some scenes where it needed to be. And so it ends up being a movie that you're not completely bored by not necessarily but it's one where you're constantly rolling your eyes and you're checking your watch i checked my watch like five times like when is this movie gonna end um so would i recommend it no I, i'm sorry like I, I i i could not recommend this movie and hopefully um Shah khan's next action movie because apparently that's what he's doing now um javon is better so let's look forward to that Okay, then on Thursday night, I watched JFK, uh, a very long movie, um, but it was it was good. It was good. It was decent. So JFK was released in 1991. It's directed by Oliver Stone, obviously, uh, starring Kevin Costner, Kevin Bacon, and Gary Oldman, and a handful of other people. There's I don't know if he was billed or not, so I'm not gonna spoil that. Sorry about that. That appearance, but. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is in it. Laurie, Met Met Laurie Metcalf is in it. I think John Candy is in it. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of people in this movie. It's um it takes place three years, following the assassination of JFK, and the case has been closed. And then there's this 
uh, district attorney Jim Garrison who reopens this investigation because things don't add up in his head and unveils this conspiracy to kill the president by the US government and this received a 6.8 out of 10 so what I liked about this movie first and foremost if your movie is three hours and nine minutes long and you can't and you don't make it seem that way like you've done something right Right, so it moves really well for its runtime. It always keeps you interested as it's constantly revealing new information, which is great. It's a great investigative film. Um, specifically, the climax and the last hour are the best part because it rewards you so well for paying attention. The the court case, because of all its moving pieces, only really clicks into place if you've been paying attention to the all of the information that they were saying before. Um, and then the the end speech is really good. It is a bit long. I remember talking to my dad, and I was like, oh, I watched JFK, and he said, oh, yeah, that end speech was too long. <laughs> and it is, but, it, it, you know, it it's very formidable, which is nice. And then I guess the biggest plus about this movie is that it makes you think that there is some basis to what they're saying, and it actually enacted change. Like, I think Oliver Stone showed this to Congress, and they passed an act three or four months after called the JFK Assassination Act, where they confirmed some of the things that they showed in the movie. So the mission was accomplished, and then that's that's a great thing. So what I didn't like, it's not without its issues, though, as a movie. So the editing is is often what keeps the pace, which is great, but it can be a bit too messy. And you, and you notice those in some scenes where they repeat information with one added detail, so they, they play the scenario out again. And then that's when you notice the editing can be a bit messy. So that's a problem. I, also, this this movie needed to be more cinematic, and I think that's why why The Last Hour works so well. Is it because it, it uses the medium really well? But the first two hours, I feel like I could have read an article with a bunch of newspaper clippings and still gotten the same effect. Um, so I think it needed to have more of an understanding of what it needed to do uh, as a film first and then it also needed to be way more focused on the characters I get why it's not that's not the intent of this movie but we learn very little about Jim Garrison uh, and the most interesting scene in this movie perhaps the best scene is the one that happens right before the trial where Jim Garrison and his team are talking and you know around this time he's getting threats that he's a silly guy you know people the offices is getting bugged and then there's like this whole great rift um with him and his team someone says they want to leave and that scene is great because we get to get an insight on these people who are behind this investigation and every time i thought of that it just brought me back to zodiac zodiac is very much uh this type of movie it's very investigative um without the political undertones of course um but and I do think this that is a much better version of this because we get to learn about those people behind the investigation and why people fall into this stuff. But at the end of the day, would I recommend it? Yes. I think it tells a really interesting story. There's a lot of nuances that I didn't know. And it does make you think that, you know, if the U.S. government is behind everything, we are screwed. Okay, so I follow that movie up with a great choice um this movie could not be more different than the movie i watched before it and it was awesome and it's called the young girls of rochefort 
directed by Jacques Demy. This is my first Jacques Demy movie, and I cannot wait to watch The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, this was released in 1967, obviously directed by Jacques Demy, starring Catherine Deneuve, Francois d'Orléac, uh, George Chuck. Iris? I think he's American, so I don't think I'm saying George wrong. And, you know, surprisingly, Gene Kelly, he's in this movie, which is nice. Um, and it follows, you know, it's a very basic plot. It, it's it's in Rochefort, which is a small seaside town in France. These two young sisters search for their Mr. Wright for their romance as a carnival comes into town. And they have to leave uh, to Paris on Monday. This received a 7.9 out of 10. So for those of you who don't know, this is a musical, and I really liked how much this was a musical. It was so... There were so many great melodies, even when there was no singing. There was always a musical. And it's not an opera where everything is sung, but there's a song every few minutes. So it always keeps moving. It always has something to, to get you invested in the story. You know, everyone in the dip, everyone is dancing. When the moment the song plays, everyone, even random purse people who are 10, 15 meters out in the distance start dancing too. And so that was really nice. And the colors were so vibrant and inviting. Everything was placed so perfectly with amazing production design and costume designs. It was just really, really nice to look at. It felt like a treat. Um, and then the characters are very likable. There's, I think there's not one unlikable character in here there's some questionable ones um but there's there's they're all very likable and you could watch them for so much more time and you really want um always you're always looking out that you know you always wish everything works out for them which is good and then the the, the point of it setting in this small seaside town is that everyone knows everyone but also doesn't and so I think the intertwining of the stories worked very well, and that's something that I didn't expect when this movie started, which was nice. So what I didn't like, very few things. I think the choreography was a little short of wowing you. I think I got to a point where you're like, okay, they're going to do something huge now, and then it just ends. Um, so it's not that the choreography is bad, it's just not as uh, it's not as amazing as you think it would be. And then the resolution of the movie is good, I think it closes everything out, but it doesn't treat each character equally. And the more and more I think about it, I think it's just, it's in a rush to close the story because I feel like they got to, after the climax, they got to that point and they realized they had, you know, I think 10, 15 minutes left to keep it a two hour movie and so they had to stuff everything in there. So that's why I think people weren't treated equally, um, but it's fine. So I would recommend it, yes, it is one of the most fun and sweet musicals I've seen in a while, and <clears throat> it's definitely a movie where you can get lost in it, which is great. Okay, then yesterday, last night, yes, I watched The Conversation. This was released in 1974, it's directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Gene Hackman, John Cazale, and Alan Garfield, and this received a 7.7 7 out of 10. I'm not going to talk about this one, not go into detail about this one. I just feel like what I said in my review kind of sums up everything. And 
there's nothing much to say about this movie other than it's a good movie. So I would recommend it. It's a great movie about paranoia and surveillance, and and it really comes together in the end with um with all those themes. Uh, it stuffs practically seventy five percent of its plot in the last twenty minutes, which is really smart when you think about what the entire movie was doing, and. The the obviously Gene Hackman is amazing. So yes, I would recommend that movie. Okay, then I followed up that movie with a very interesting one. Um, it's it's The Handmaiden, directed by Park Chan Wook, uh, released in twenty sixteen. It's starring Kim Min Hee, Ha Jung Woo, Cho Jin Wung, um, and it revolves. I don't want to give too much away, um, but I also don't necessarily recommend it. So. Um, a woman is hired to be a handmaiden for a Japanese heiress. Like she's in, she is the heir of someone. Obviously, she's the heir of someone who has a lot of, who had a lot of money, and this woman, her intentions are revealed to be far less than innocent. Okay, so what I liked, uh, this received a seven point one out of ten. So what I liked about this movie is this movie is all about the misdirection. Within the first 30 minutes, the plot is flipped on its head three times. It sets you up to think one and there's there's something that happens within the first two minutes and you think one thing and then you realize 15 minutes later that it meant completely the opposite thing that you were thinking. And that's what this movie does really, really great is that there's a lot of thrillers that hinge on that one twist or hinge on that one plot point to, to really get stuff going but this one has like four or five and it's consistently thinking that you can't trust anyone which is great um it's amazingly stylized i think chandwick's direction is is something that's very flashy but i think works for a lot of his stories and so it comes out with a lot of energy and and pizzazz that, that really keeps you invested which is great um and it is a very plot-driven story, but it still has a lot of attention to its characters and their circumstances. Um, and that's something that I've, you know, from the two movies I've watched this and Decision to Leave, I realize that Park Chan-wook does really well, is maintain this really humanistic element to it in the midst of having a very, very intricate plot. And yeah, I guess the final love story does end up being nice despite it being a little muddled a lot muddled by what i didn't like about this movie and you know maybe i'm just not comfortable enough or too much uh yeah maybe i'm just not comfortable enough but i thought the sex and nudity was too much you know and it seemed so self-indulgent and i say this i i, I don't think that i'm not comfortable enough like mulholland drive is my favorite movie and they have one very explicit well a lot of explicit scenes in there but this one is on another level like Mulholland Drive times eight something like that um, and it's just really hard to find the justification for how much they showed and I guess you can make that argument for all nudity but it's easier to find reasons in other movies like Mulholland Drive and and things like that but this one it was it just extended so many scenes and it kind of and I you know after waking up this I watched this I finished watching this as like 
10 hours ago and after i woke up i'm like yeah that that was not nice right like it's kind of and then this has this really weird tone where it's like kind of awkwardly towing the line between being comedically passionless sex and then with this sort of angry lust that also comes over people and it never strikes that balance properly and i think that's why it just comes off as really there to arouse people and yeah almost on the borderline of just being porn um it doesn't really get there but i i I don't know it's just not nice um and if you can find some justification for it i'm sure there is sure if you talk to park chan woke he'd be like that is essential to the movie which is fine but it still distracts from the rest of the film like that's the the thing that i remember the most um for you know obvious reasons um and that's not the point of the movie and there's like there's themes about in this movie about sexual abuse and you know the really the Egypt, Egypt, the the objectification of women um to be the servants of pleasure even if it's concealed in this like weird chivalrous manner it's still very misogynistic so i think that was really cool but then when the way that some of the scenes are shot i just it just felt very um very inauthentic i think so you know I wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie. I wouldn't much... I would very much recommend Decision to Leave. It tells a different story, yes. Um, But it is also a sexy thriller that I think is far more romantic than this film. It's also a lot more controlled, I think, than this movie is. For a good reason. Um, Yeah, this movie has other minor problems, too, than the main thing. But yeah, this is not a movie you can watch with a lot of people, man, like, <laughs> it's hard to justify, um, some of the things that are going on, okay, so those, that's what I watched this past week, um, so the movie to keep on your radar, obviously, I can't say, um, Patan because I didn't like it as my recent one, so I decided to pick a movie that I have reviewed on my Instagram page, but I haven't talked about on this podcast, And this movie is very well-respected and well-loved by people who know about it and have seen it. But I feel like a lot of people in my generation haven't seen it. And I feel like it's a movie that we just need to bring back up in conversation. Especially in an age where farce and satire is the trendy way to make a woke film. Um, And it's a movie called Election. Um, This was released in 1999, directed by Alexander Payne, stars Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. It's about this high school teacher, you know, who's kind of comfortable in his position at the school. Like, everyone likes him to a certain degree. He has this certain way with students, but then he's met his match with an overachieving student politician, the role Reese Witherspoon, well, young Reese Witherspoon, was born to play. Like, it's that, and, oh my god, what's her name in Legally Blonde? Let me look it up. Elle Wood, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot that was her name. Um, That and Elle Woods, like, these are her two best characters. Um, And this movie is great. It functions as both this very witty and smart and cynical 
um, political allegory. And, like, they make that very clear throughout the movie, especially at the end, which is awesome. But it also solves the other problem of just being in an entertaining, fun, funny time with great characters. There's so much to enjoy about this movie. Um, it's, it's something that the whole family can sit down and watch and enjoy. And there's just a lot of fun to be had with this movie. And, and when I watched it um, initially... I was like, this movie has no right to be this good, right? Like, it just seems like a movie that would be fun, but then there's, like, all of these cool editing techniques, and then the performances are really great, very well layered. I think Matthew Roderick is really good in this film, with Reese Witherspoon, obviously. Um, but yeah, this movie is just great, so keep that on your radar, watch it whenever you can, and it received a 7.7 .7 out of 10 from me. Okay, so let's move on to our five movies to watch when. And five movies to watch when, um, this time I chose, it's a Saturday, Friday night. You came back from partying, going to the clubs, hanging out with your friends. And it's about 10 to 10.30, and you are alone in your apartment, in your dorm room, in your house. You know, this can apply to everyone. And you don't feel like falling asleep. So you feel like putting on a movie that you haven't seen before. That's a key thing. And do you just kind of want to enjoy that before you doze off? So I feel like this is a good... This is a good situation to be in because you will are more willing, I think, to be exposed to something new. And so I've kind of broken down each of these five movies into types of feelings that you're after. So, if, you know, it was not a good night, and you're feeling kind of sad and lonely, and you need a movie to, to make sure that there's someone else who's feeling the same thing, there's no other movie greater than her to do that. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. It's released in 2013, directed by Spike Jones, and starring Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Scarlett Johansson, and voice. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this movie, and you know what it's about. It's about this guy who falls in love with his version of Siri, basically. And it, it it traps loneliness very well, and it's the type of movie where you, if you're feeling very happy, it can bring you very down, but if you're feeling down, I think it can bring you back up very well because it show, it's empathy, it's empathetic. So it's a very touching story that you can appreciate when you are by yourself and feel like you need to be comforted. Another alternative to this movie that is not romantic because I know people find her a bit weird, and it is. Like, that's the point as well. Um, another option is the Coen Brothers movie Inside Lewin Davis, which kind of captures, like, loneliness um, as a product of and a combination with aimlessness, um, where everything in the world just seems to be circular and nothing is going the way you want to be, and that's, that's the comforting factor in that movie. So that's the first one. Now, let's say, you know, you were in the mood for something, and the reason I came up with this is I was watching The Handmaiden, and I'm like, this is the perfect, you know, perfect movie to watch on a Saturday night by yourself. And so I thought in the second um, category is maybe you were in, in, you're in the mood for a thriller, maybe you're in the mood to be somewhat aroused um, as well. So my recommendation there, I don't know why I've seen this movie, I think, when I was obsessed with plot twists, like I literally used to look up movies with best plot twists when I was in ninth and 10th grade. 
Um, but it's unfaithful. Released in 2002, directed by you know the king of erotic thrillers, Adrian Lin, and stars Richard Gere and Diane Lane. I think this appeals to both men and women. I tried to, I think it does. You know, it has a hot guy in there, and then um, like some great sex scene. So that's that's that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's about infidelity. It's about the fear of getting caught. It's about the repercussions for that. And um, it's somewhat of a basic story, but it plays out really nicely, and it's something that you could easily get lost in. So that is my second movie to watch when it's Saturday night and you want something to put on at 10.30. Okay, the third category is I wanted to, maybe you're in the mood for something like that's dreamlike and trippy and hypnotic and surreal. And so there's obviously two directors that came to mind. David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. And there's two movies of theirs that came to mind immediately, Mulholland Drive and 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I have talked about those movies a lot on this podcast. So I decided to go, and I didn't want to go necessarily like the thriller route. So I went with The Tree of Life. Um, It's a Terrence Malick movie, direct stars Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain very much understand if you hate this movie um, after you watch it but it is very surreal and dreamlike it's very fantastical um and it also tells like a very interesting drama story um in its latter half that complements all of that stuff which is great um so yeah it's something that it's again something that you could get lost in at 10 30 and um maybe even change the way you think about certain things which is nice Okay, so then you're left with the two easiest options for this time, and that is either you want to laugh or you want to be scared out of your mind. So, first to laugh. There's a lot of, you know, classic options, and I was stuck with one of them, and that's Hot Fuzz, um, released in 2007, directed by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright does his best work when he's with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and so the stars, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost... It's a super fun comedy with a lot of action and references to movies that you have watched and sub- and subconsciously acknowledged why they're kind of silly, but why you love them so much, and that's essentially what this movie is about. Why these you know buddy cop action movies are so appealing, but why they're also kind of silly, um, and then putting that all together in this really funny British comedy. Um, so that's a great way to end the night. It's a fun way to end the night. Go to sleep laughing. Then you have um, the horror aspect. And I really wanted to pick an atmospheric horror film because if it has overt violence and jump scares and stuff, like that's what we want to watch with other people. And if it's atmospheric, something like Midsommar, I did not pick Midsommar because that's very daytime horror. Um, like that's very bright colors. I wanted to pick something dark and, you know, gloomy um what was i gonna say so yeah that that works better if you're alone and if you have no other distractions and you are like left to your own senses and your own mind to fill in the blanks it becomes more and more scary so i'm going to recommend a movie that probably a lot of you haven't seen but maybe you have to the horror aficionados i'm sure you have seen it it's called The Orphanage, or El Orfanato, in, released in 2007, it's a Spanish film, directed by J.A. Bayona. It stars Belen Ruda, 
I think that's how you say it. Um, it's an atmospheric horror film um, that works to an amazing conclusion. It has some really creepy scenes in there, so it's not like um, it's a, what's a one that's very atmospheric only. Like it's not like The Witch. Like it has actually. I mean, The Witch is pretty compelling too, but it actually has creepy scenes, um, like scenes that will elevate your heart rate and and you know have peaks and troughs um, in your heart rate, which is nice. And obviously it works better when absolutely nothing else is distracting you. Not even your friends or your phone or something. Like it just works be better when you're alone, giving your full attention to it. So that is the recommendation there. Well, I think this was a very productive episode. I think I got gave you guys a lot of nice recommendations, if I may say so myself. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I will see you next week. Bye.